England is canonical. England is uh, canonical. Possibly guillotines. Shakespeare. Yeah, guillotines. Divorce I, I is canonical in the Pokemon world. <laughs> the Anglican religion. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot of implications of King Edward. A lot of implications. Hello and welcome back to To Kill a Delibird, the premier Pokemon rewatch anime podcast, where I am the guy who doesn't know a lot about Pokemon, knows some things about Pokemon, but loves to bring in uh, literature, manga, TV, movies, video games, etc. And we have my uh, ride or die homie, Pokemon expert, Poke nerd extraordinaire, Kellen on the podcast as well. Kellen, how's it going? You know, you keep referring to this as the premiere Pokemon podcast. I hate to tell you, but the the premiere of this podcast was 33 weeks ago. I meant premiere in quality, like Premier League. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That doesn't work with my joke. <laughs> yeah, wait, it's it's too dated. That's what you're saying. I, I only could have <laughs> called it premiere once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First episode, and that's it. Oh, that's, that's all you get. Well, every episode is a premiere to a, a new side of us. You mm, know, I, I hope that okay. a listener meets Very a new indeed. Graham and Kellen every kind of episode. I think they're meeting the exact same Graham and Kellen every week. <laughs> and they're just like, who the fuck are these guys? Well, you, we're multifaceted. Why am I listening to You're these You're a complex individual. Am I? Uh, relatively no, but I no. think all humans are <laughs> complex. <laughs> You're simpler than some. And I mean that as a compliment, but more okay. complex than others. That's that's fine. I'm fine. You're with more that. complex than Draco Malfoy. That's he's not, well, I'm not real. I, so I don't I don't I don't think I'm as uh how much of a dick as he is. I would hope not. No, but complexity and dickness are like two independent dimensions. That's true. You're more complex than Gary. Although I'll your friend it. Curtis last week called you Gary. How are you feeling about that? <laughs> that was a funny moment. I'm good that, with it. That was For the funny. content. It's that all was, about the content. It's all, it's all about, about the content. It's, it's all, all about the content. content. Well, speaking of content. We got a big one. Yeah, you want to jump into this? You don't really know what's happening yet, but uh, you will right away. Graham's bit this week is, is a very different kind of bit. And he told me it's going to run about 15 minutes or so. So we're just going to roll right into that. So this doesn't bloat the podcast too much yeah well i'm for the same amount but this is sort of an extended research based bit so for first time listeners we review episodes of the anime we go through and we have some segments associated with that we are doing episode 68 the evolution solution and episode 69 the pikahuna today uh Nice. (laughs) nice nice Before that, we usually do like a little uh, random list of things, some banter. For this week, what what we did is I got the free seven-day trial to newspapers.com, owned by Ancestry.com. And what I did is I I pulled newspapers between uh, 1997 and 2000 in the uh, United States and Canada. And I read through a whole bunch of of newspaper clippings. I searched for articles that had Pokemon in it. And then articles that also had words like evil or Satan or stuff like that. So for those of you who weren't alive in the 90s, Pokemania, as they called it, was this huge trend in the late 90s. Lasted for a couple years where Pokemon fandom like just emerged out of nowhere, basically, in North America. And people were obsessed. And it created this sort of fervor on playgrounds where kids would like trade cards and then like notoriously get in fights over cards and parents like did not understand what was going on. And this led to a lot of uh, especially like right wing media to basically think Pokemon was like the devil and controlling the kids. (laughs) 
Um, I've been kind of fascinated with that rhetoric since like, like now, those of you who are familiar with the Pokemon fandom and fans of Pokemon for a long time, like that sounds just wild, right? Like it's such a weird reality it's so to imagine. Stupid. It's so strange. And so I wanted to see what kind of strange, yeah, things were being said. So here are excerpts, pieces, some, some of them full, uh, six uh, articles from newspapers that I found from that time. So we're going to get into it, okay? Right. All right, number six. Pokemon makes your kids drug-dealing, sexually promiscuous <laughs> vandals. This is an opinion piece written in to the Baltimore Sun uh, in Maryland, Baltimore, uh, October 30th, 1999. This is from one Charlotte Considine in Glenarm, Maryland, uh, Maryland, who says, Pokemon may provide some harmless lessons in trading, but these cards also cause harsh competition, disappointment, distraction from academic activities and expenditures that some families can ill afford. She then says that the cards promote materialistic values, that children basically learn how to value possessions over people. Uh, And she ends this saying, if parents cannot say no and provide positive diversions when children are young, how will they cope when kids become teenagers and must be stopped from using drugs, being sexually promiscuous and engaging (laughs) in vandalism and violence? There you had it, folks. Pokemon cards make your kids drug dealing whores. What a fucking stretch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These are all stretches. We're Charlotte's to... arms must have really hurt after that oh, one. Oh, she's Stretch Armstrong. She's she's Monkey D. Luffy. She's Dalsim. <laughs> I talk about those characters way too much. I love stretchy-armed characters. Number five. <laughs> this one was titled, Pokemon Uses Satanic Cult-Like Symbolism. So this oh. was a rhetoric that followed after people mm-hmm. said that Dungeons and Dragons was evil, right? This was a thing, and it got associated with various incidents around the U.S. This is an article from Press Enterprise, Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, year 2000, April 1st, by one Robert Delbo. Uh, another opinion piece, but uh, this one I think was from a staff, whereas the other one was written in. When first seeing Pokemon on TV, he says, I didn't think it was bad. Then, through my son's Sunday school teacher and the website, and he linked some weird escape.com website, never heard of it, my wife and I became aware of the symbolism, much tied to the occult and the history associated with it. We learned many of the devices used in Pokemon, which means pocket monsters, are satanic, demonic, and cult-like. One of the Pokemon characters has a pentagram on his forehead. SSS on his chest and does a satanic salute. I don't know who that is. I don't know who who's talking about. Who has a about. pentagram on its forehead? Yeah. Another character is a cross-dresser. Pokemon's goal Jinx? is to destroy enemies any way possible, spraying acid to blind them and steal their powers. Okay, but this is the best part of that article, because there are definitely other articles like this. He then goes, When sharing this information with our four-year-old son, he immediately took the Pokemon toy he received at a local restaurant and threw it in the trash. He said he didn't want an evil toy. He has since told his friends to do the same thing. Oh my god. I don't believe that part at all. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, kid, Kadabra is is Satan and also a Nazi. (laughs) Well, I don't want Kadabra anymore. Kadabra's badass. Weirdly enough, Kadabra pops up again in this list. People did is not it, like uh, Kadabra. 
let me make a prediction. Is that from the uh, the Yuri Geller stuff? It is. Yeah. Ooh, you know about this. I knew about that one. Oh, that was new to me. Yes, that's a little bit later. So we'll we'll pocket that uh, tater totter. That's some foreshadowing. To, to in a bit. That's some tickling of your balls. For you oh, there. a little ball tickler. Getting you hyped. Getting you hyped. <laughs> <laughs> Can we start calling foreshadowing that ball tickling? Right. Ball they, they slip in a little ball tickler it. here to, to get everybody <laughs> hot and bothered uh, for the rest oh, of the episode. Good. Yeah. So, number four. This is a review of the first Pokemon movie called Please Be the First and Last Movie (laughs) by Brian McKenzie in Charlottesville, Virginia, November 22nd, 1999. I am not reading the whole review. Basically, he didn't like it, obviously. Really? But I pulled out this one little part that, out of context, I think is even funnier than it could ever be in context, okay? So he goes, it's... The Muppet Babies, written by Pitbulls. Like Saturday at the Dog Fights, Pokemon what? fights to further their trainers who dream of being bigger than Stone Cold Steve Austin and getting elected governor of Minnesota. What? What does that that's sentence just, mean? <laughs> that's just word vomit. He says it's the Muppet Babies written by Pitbulls. And his idea of the biggest goal someone could have is being bigger than Stone Cold Steve Austin and getting elected governor of Minnesota. Yeesh. Yes. That is a beautiful sentence. Curse you, modern meme culture. But I did think for a second, uh, when you said Pitbulls, you were not going to include the S and just say it was written <laughs> Pit by Bull. Pitbull. <laughs> And that would have been funnier, honestly. And really mind-betting, considering this was written in 1999. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think Pitbull was a popular artist then. He really well, is Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Mr. Time-wide. Mr. Time-wide. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Breaking the Time Continuum. Okay, <laughs> we're going into number three, and this is where things get uh, spicy and partially sensitive. I, I am going to just read kind of things word for word, and we are referencing an article here. This is definitely pointing at a deeper, loaded situation that's very complicated. The article's from the LA Times, April 24th, 2001, by Ranwa Yela. Pokemon. Issue reflects Arab-Jewish tensions. Okay, so I learned through this article that uh, some leading Arabic-speaking countries were condemning Pokemon, like their leaders were condemning Pokemon. Muslim leaders in Oman, Qatar, Dubai, Jordan, and Egypt had all declared Pokemon as anti-Islam. Now, okay, that's, yeah, definitely uh, in parts of uh, other countries, uh, parents were saying it's, you know, it's anti-religion or, or something like that. But what what is even wilder to me, or I I wouldn't have even considered, is that what's deeper than that is they saw Pokemon as a Jewish conspiracy to destroy (laughs) Islam. So this is from the article now. Japanese embassies throughout the region have received inquiries from parents and officials who have heard that Pokemon was Japanese for I am a Jew. It has been proven that this toy part of a Jewish plan to corrupt the mind of our young generation because it alludes to blasphemous thinking, it mocks our God and our moral values, and is therefore extremely dangerous for our youth, said Sheikh Abdel Monem Abu Zent, hardliner and former mar- member of parliament in Jordan who has helped stir up discontent, although acknowledges that he's not familiar with the game. <laughs> I would have believed that part. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the, the more quotes, the game is abusive to Allah, and the characters' names are code words for anti-Islamic terms, such as be a Jew. 
there was a headline. This is quoting another headline in an article called Pokemon Virus, published in the United Arab Emirates. The idea being that Pokemon is infiltrating your homes to basically promote Judaism and destroy your kids' grip on, on Islam. Yeah, that, that was a brand new concept for me. That, okay, that, Jesus Christ. Now, what I really found interesting about that, though, is that article on its own is something new, quite <laughs> interesting. It's an article but that it's exists. It's an article that exists. But it's when you contrast that sort of fervor, okay, with what comes next. And this is what you uh, ball tickled, the uh, Yuri Geller case. <laughs> so the article is Geller sues Nintendo over evil Pokemon cartoon monster. This was published everywhere via Los Angeles and, and Reuters, but I got this via the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Canadian paper, November 3rd, 2000. So the idea here was that there's this uh, famous psychic from the 70s and 80s sued Nintendo for hundreds of millions of dollars Wednesday, claiming that the Japanese game maker turned him into an evil occult Pokemon character by naming a Pokemon in the blockbuster cartoon series after him. Both he and his lawyer suggested that there were elements of anti-Semitism in the character's depiction. So that's the contrast that I find wild, is that you've got one group of folks saying that it promotes Judaism to destroy Islam, and then a lawsuit comes where they're saying Pokemon is anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the man. The nineties were a, a wild. The nineties were they? wild. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> in a way, I'm kind of upset that I missed that because that would have been something to live through. Well, I didn't know about this. I lived then. <laughs> the, well, that's the thing your problem. Is, is stuff like that showed up at the back of the newspaper and and was there and gone. And and mm -hmm. now what happens is we have this level of division now, but it's it's crammed through your phone hole, you this know, true, yeah. every kind of social source. It's possible. so much more accessible now. Exactly. So it's just, it's it's a much more uh, streamlined process. So it was much easier to miss things like this, thankfully, <laughs> before. But okay, so the idea with this uh, Yuri uh, Geller case was that uh, he was a psychic who used spoons like that. And, and what kind of even strengthens the case is that Kadabra's name in Japan, I'm trying mm -hmm. to, I had it written down. It's a Yungerer. Is Yungerer. I'm looking Thank at you. it right now. Yeah. Which is possibly kind of close to, to Yuri Geller when you consider that how you would turn L's into, into Japanese is they turn them into like an er sound like that. So possibly there is something there that, that he was kind of inspired. I don't know if the anti-Semitist stuff was, was uh, acknowledged, though. I don't believe Japan or Nintendo kind of acknowledged that in any serious way. It did have a repercussion, though, that I'm sure you're familiar with, that they didn't print cards of Kadabra from mm -hmm. 2003 until, yep. like, this year, I think. Yep. Yeah, he walked back the lawsuit in 2020, and then from then, the first card set that featured the Abra line came out in, um, well, I, I think it's uh, out... Very recent, like two months ago in Japan, like two months and it's coming ago, out yeah. next month in the West. Wow, the Kadabra's back. Yeah. And he's not Wild. an anti-Semitist, eh? <laughs> I hope not. But yeah, that that's an interesting one. And to me, the contrast of those last two articles were like, when I was finding these, I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> whoa. <laughs>
Okay, number one, a bit more lighthearted, was an article called Understanding Pokemon by Joyce Millman. Uh, this is by far the best written article in this list. I actually enjoyed this, okay? So if some of you like digging up old uh, newspaper articles, this is Joyce Millman in the Vancouver Sun from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Saturday, July 10th, 1999. The article is called Understanding Pokemon. It's a bit of a satire piece that is basically trying to explain Pokemon in a way that someone who doesn't know about Pokemon at all would understand. It's like, it's not necessarily anti-Pokemon, but it's not really pro-Pokemon anywhere. It's sort of like a spin on things. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go into some excerpts from this article so you get a feel for it. She starts going, maybe you've read news stories about it being banned from elementary schools. Maybe a guy on the street tried to sell you some cheap, or maybe you've been cornered by a wild-eyed eight-year-old addict, the kid next door, your cousin, even your own son or daughter, and subjected to a rambling monologue about hit points, damages, and evolved stages. This is Pokemon, and it's some weird stuff. Imagine cockfighting crossed with Hello Kitty and you're merely scratching (laughs) the surface. Below the surface, it gets even weirder. So then she goes on and tries to like debunk Pokemon, kind of show you what it's about. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, just pull out some highlights. So here she goes, Pokemon. I think the name loosely translates to empty the pockets of your hapless parents, sheep children. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's a good one. Here she's explaining what Pokemon attacks are. This is good. Each Pokemon has a special power of attack, and these attacks are the most endearingly dorky part of the game. For instance, the Shrieking Pigeon Pidgey blinds opponents with his gust attack, which is a fancy way of saying that he flaps his wings and blows sand in their eyes. Jigglypuff, who looks like a wad of pink bubblegum, possesses a hypnotic sing attack that, according to the official Pokemon encyclopedia, can send even the toughest Pokemon to dreamland. Well, I'm not sure how Bulbasaur, a dinosaur thing with what looks like a large <laughs> garlic bulb growing out the growing out of its back vanquishes opponents. Perhaps he overpowers them with a strong batch of pesto. Clearly we're not <laughs> talking about Mortal Kombat here. <laughs> I, I, I want to see I Bulbasaur like make pesto. pesto. Yeah, I like yeah. Bulbasaur pesto. That's that's definitely fan art right there. Bulbasaur mm. cooking a Italian for us. Commenting on the anime, she says the hero of the TV show, 10-year-old Ash Ketchum, is undergoing the rite of passage prescribed for all 10-year-olds in Pokemon World. He journeys the countryside without parental supervision, hunting Pokemon, battling worthy opponents, and earning Barrett Madges. At, uh, merit Barrett Madges. Barrett Madges. <laughs> earning Merit Badges. As rites of passage go, this one looks pretty grueling. Why not just have a bar mitzvah or a confirmation? The presents are better and you don't have to live in the woods without television or Slurpees for months on end. (laughs) Uh, Are Slurpees the one thing she chose? (laughs) That's very Canadian, yeah. (laughs) She she does uh, give Pokemon some credit here. She says there's no killing Pokemon who lose matches. They don't die, they pass out. Then they're sent off for rehab at the Pokemon equivalent of the Betty Ford Center. Um... (laughs) She has a couple weird parts. So the one last segment that I pulled out is where she tries to kind of deconstruct Pokemon as like what it could be a metaphor like for in the real world. Um, <laughs> and this is this is something. When Ash needs a Pokemon, he takes a Pokeball out of his pocket, hurls it at his opponent, and the Pokemon bursts out ready to rock and roll. So to review, boy rubs ball, pocket monster pops out. Do I have to draw you a picture? (laughs) Nascent sexuality aside, Pokemon is also thick with corporate metaphors. On the show, Ash and other trainers assemble a core of Pokemon employees, demand their loyalty, coop them up in undersized 
quarters and send them out to fight their battles. The trainer's ascent up the Pokemon League ladder depends entirely on the performance of his employees. Pokemon may be a cartoon, but it's one of the best management training films you'll ever see. <laughs> if it inspires a generation of American kids to embark on a quest to be the greatest middle manager of all time, so be it, especially if it makes them do their math homework. I suppose it's a sign of how screwy things are for families these days that despite its profound strangeness, parents have welcomed the bloodless and strategy-emphasizing Pokemon with open arms. And I agree. Better your pre-adolescent son be obsessing over non-threatening characters named Jigglypuff and Caterpie than dressing in combat fatigues and terrorizing the neighborhood pets. Very true. Ah, very true very indeed. True. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some wild shit. That's some wild shit. <laughs> so that's my that's, top article, Understanding really Pokemon Vancouver's Sun. But yeah, that's a journey through what some of the Pokemon rhetoric was in the late 90s and early 2000s. Wild. Um, love to hear feedback. Is that the kind of uh, content you like? Uh, do you like the short form list? This is not something we'll necessarily stick to. And that, well, we definitely won't do this kind of thing again. But, you know, we, we like shaking it up. I I'd personally like to just think of whatever we can do in these segments uh, to kind of explore creatively. So, uh, yeah, leave comments, whatever you think about that. And from there, though, let's get into the real TCAD meat. The real episodes. Okay. So. Yes. Let's jump into episode 68, The Evolution Solution. Fun title to say. So we're still in Pallet Town. Yep. And uh, everyone is going to be heading to Seafoam Island for a beach trip. Yeah, beach day, Seafoam Island. So so remind me, Seafoam Island is in the games, right? Yeah, it's Seafoam Islands ah. in the game. And it, I don't think it's really a beach. It's a it's, it's a dungeon, if I remember. Yeah, it's correctly, an right? icy cave. It's an ice cave where Articuno lives. Yeah. So that's uh that's not really a properly indicative of the game. I, I will say, calling it Seafoam Island to me as like a comic book nerd kind of feels like when uh, when companies will do like a show or a movie and they'll name it after some comic book, but it'll be like barely like the comic book was at all. It'll be like a mm -hmm. small little teaser so that people yeah. are like, oh, I recognize that name. But it's mm -hmm. like it's like not like it at all. <laughs> and so they're leaving Ash behind. Everyone's going to go have fun. Delia, Brock and Misty are going out with Delia's friends to Seafoam Island, they're going to have some fun on the beach. Ash has to stay behind and train for the league. Uh, his mom left him a sandwich in the fridge, which is an important uh, story note, I, I think. Yeah, definitely. And he has left behind. So he goes down to Oak's lab. I I'm not sure if he broke in or if Oak asked him to come down or what the story was there. I get but the Oak feeling having... like Oak's the type of guy who doesn't lock his door. No, probably not. You forget. Uh, no one in the Pokemon world locks the door. Have you ever played the game? Oh, yeah, very much like the Zelda They're world, all open. right? Yeah. You can just roll in and smash their pots. So he stops by Oak's lab, and Oak is having a mental breakdown. He's having trouble solving an evolution mystery. Ooh. It's the mystery of Slowpoke and Shelder. When Shelder clamps onto Slowpoke's tail, Slowpoke becomes Slowbro, but Oak doesn't understand why this is. Right, so Shelder is a little clam Pokemon. Slowpoke, we've seen before, I believe. Uh, yeah. I don't really know what Slowpoke, what animal Slowpoke's supposed to be like. It's, it's like, like a, a hairless hippo thing, but little. Hey, and yeah, pink, it's. And it has a long tail. It looks animalistic. You're like, it, it, it looks familiar yeah. as an animal. Vaguely hippo ish. I don't know. According, according to Bulbapedia, Slowpoke is a pink Pokemon 
that resembles a cross between a salamander and a hippopotamus. There you go. A salamander so, hippo. Yeah, I can see that. And it looks less weird than you would think that combination. I love like, Slowpoke. Yeah, yeah, Slowpoke is He's good. adorable. He's adorable. So the Pokedex doesn't have the answer either. Uh, so he, he thinks, oh, you know what? I'll ask Professor Westwood, who lives on Seafoam Island. And Ash Ooh, takes this opportunity to be like, oh, <laughs> hey, hey, I'll go do that for you. I'll go talk to him. We have phones in this world. I feel like Oak could have just given him a call. They have video phones. <laughs> yeah. It would have been easier. But Ash and Pikachu are both excited. They're kind yeah. of in on this. Let's let's use this as an excuse. So they ditch Mimey. Unfortunately, Mimey gets left behind now. Oh, imagine Mimey on a surfboard. That's terrifying. Oh, oh I wish. <laughs> Ow. Why would you put that in my head? Now I'm sad that we <laughs> didn't get that. wasted potential. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Ash and Pikachu head off to Seafoam Island to go talk to this guy. Is it and just makes me, it... or does this beach uh, on Seafoam Island look exactly like a Porta Vista from the yeah. earlier episodes? Yeah, <laughs> I think they may have just it's you know, a copy, copy and paste, paste beach. Yeah. So he makes it to the Seafoam Island. Brock and Misty are sail. What what is it they're doing? It's sailing, Wind, but it's like surfing. on a windsurfing. That's the word. And they all go. They berate Ash. They're like you're supposed to be training. He's like, I am training. This is a special kind of training. Blah blah blah. You just wanted a vacation. Yeah. Ash. Misty goes. Is he training or tanning? And then, ah. she, and then they fall into the water. So they all go to see Professor Westwood, who is apparently the guy who programmed the Pokedex. I think one of the people that programmed the Pokedex was kind of the verbiage. Um, I had kind of before this thought Oak had made the Pokedex, but um, no, that's this not was a true. collaborative yeah. effort. Yeah. Uh, they refer to him as Professor Westwood. He's like, please, no, call me Westwood the Fifth, as if that's any easier. This is Prof. Um, prof. Professor's too formal. So this this Westwood guy, uh, he is something. Yeah, are you familiar with Larry David, Kellen? I I know who Larry David is. You know what he looks like? Yeah, yeah. This guy looks exactly like Larry David, and he sounds. I, like I, I can too. see it. He's got yeah. like that sort of <laughs> East Coast accent. So yeah, Larry David is in the Pokemon show, and he is uh, <laughs> awkward, and uh, that's good. <laughs> and eccentric. He's, eccentric. Yeah. He's sure something. And he shows us photos of all of his ancestors, Westwood the first, Westwood the second, Westwood the third, Westwood the fourth, who all look the same, who look just like him. And then we can look at Westwood the fifth's portrait, and it's this young, dashing, handsome man. It's like the hot anime guy. It's yeah. like a bishoujo, uh, almost like, <laughs> like a glowing prince of a painting. But he's uh, th- then he gets distracted by Togepi. He's never seen a Togepi before, so he's very interested in it. But he's been researching legendary Pokemon, and he's working on a fictional account to which <laughs> Misty clocks him and says, so you're making stuff up. And I he suppose. freaks out. <laughs> and then he goes to apologize to all the photos of his ancestors, even himself. And he goes to the fifth one. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's me. And that seems to be like his thing. <laughs> that's, that's like that's his a running bit. joke. Yeah, yeah. That is a running joke. <laughs> So he's currently trying to solve the mystery of Slowpoke's evolution as well. He's trying to come up with a theory to present to the Pokemon Symposium. So he goes fishing to kind of get in that Slowpoke mindset. Because Slowpoke like to fish with their tails, as we see now. Yeah, and so there, there is a Slowpoke there who is also fishing. So him and the Slowpoke are fishing together. This is his Slowpoke, actually, right? Like, um, uh, Maybe. I'm maybe. not sure if it ever actually said... It, it seems like it, it's the main Pokemon that hangs around the lab they do kind of save. Yeah. Yeah, it um, probably is. 
So Ash t- brings up the decks on this uh, Pokemon. He says it's called the Dopey Pokemon uh, in there. True. Which they think's a little mean. But uh, Westwood thinks that one of his assistants wrote that. He's like, hey, I don't know. I don't write all of them. Like, give me a break, <laughs> man. <laughs> but Misty looks at Slowpoke's face. And he's like, she's like, that expression seems familiar. And then Psyduck pops out. And she's like, oh, yeah. And Psyduck, they're both right stupid. <laughs> they're both idiots. But what's great about these two idiots is they start chatting, but it's yeah. like a really slow conversation. Beautiful. They think they're just like saying hi to each other. Animators a solid minute uh, yeah. of animation. Uh, <laughs> and Ash goes, that's not the most intelligent conversation. <laughs> she says, uh, to Psyduck, tell Slowpoke to stop acting as dumb as you are. Ooh. And then uh, a Krabby jumps up out of nowhere and pinches their tails and dips. It takes a bit, but then uh, Psyduck feels the pain and starts freaking out. I don't think Slowpoke ever felt the pain. No, he's he's fine. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> all right. He's a Magikarp. But yeah, that, yeah. there's that <laughs> bit where like Psyduck just like pauses and then he feels the, the pain like 10 seconds later. That's pretty good. <laughs> And it's lunchtime, and we cut to Giovanni chilling on the beach. He's uh, having a relaxing day after what happened to the Team Rocket headquarters that blew the fuck up. Right, when Metal Sonic destroyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And so cut to Meowth bawling over how much better Giovanni treats his Persian than him. Oh, oh. Yeah, so he's got the, the our regular Team Rocket crew uh, digging for clams, apparently. He's going to buy the balls. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. for some reason, he's got them on the beach literally digging for clams. Uh, okay. Well, you need you want fresh clams. You don't want those dingy store-bought clams. You want True. fresh clams. Fresh clams. For lunch. Come on. Yeah, they also swabbed his yacht, and now they're digging for clams. Uh, Meowth claims if they don't do well, they'll get another pay cut, which tells <laughs> us they've already had a pay cut. <laughs> Scared of getting fired, too. You know yep. what, Meowth? Getting fired would be the best thing that would happen to you. Mm-hmm. You could start a beauty salon. They could do so many things. They have skills. They do you think just... Team Rocket has severance pay? No. I think that they get killed. It's a gang. That's fair. That's why uh, they're so scared of it. <laughs> not saying that all gangs are like that, but, you know, Sopranos, Yellowstone, <laughs> TV gangs. What we know from TV. What we know from TV. <laughs> that isn't and this so show. James feverishly digs in the sand, and he pulls out a shelter, and he wants to catch it. And then Meowth was, I think Meowth calls it a crummy crustacean and yep. says, I know how to clam you up for good. Oh, good, oh, one, good one. So it's Weezing versus Shelter. Weezing tries to tackle it. Shelter hits it with a nice beam. Weezing hazes it and it faints. James goes for the Pokeball, but Jesse steps in front, throws the ball first. Jesse catches the Shelter. The shelter's kind of cute, but what was really noticeable to me is how it says its name. I did not catch that. Well, it's how shelters talk. It's like really high pitched. It's like shelter. (laughs) Yeah, it's like scream, like screams its name. It's like a tortured clam. (laughs) So they get they get summoned to Giovanni. He is sick of watching them blunder. He's going to put them on a job. They're going to break into Westwood's laboratory. And they don't want to find out what will happen to them if they fail or this. else or else. During this whole conversation, Meowth's trying to drink Persian's milk with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a long straw trying to drink the milk. Poor Meowth. He just wants some milk. 
And so back to lunch at the laboratory. The main mystery Westwood is investigating is as to why Shelter changes shell shape upon clamping onto Slowpoke's tail and having Slowpoke evolve, which is something I've always wondered because you look at Slowbro and they're like, hey, that's a Shelter on its tail. And you look at it and you're like, that the fuck? That's not a Shelter. Right. Bringing that up, bringing up the shape difference here, though, is sort of a slightly different riddle than really the episode's trying to solve. Because what we find out later from the, the conclusion that really what they were investigating was like, why do the two Pokemon evolve together? Which isn't necessarily the same question as you're proposing here is, is why does the shape change? Well, that was something that they that he posed during lunch. I think they're yeah, just no, jumping no, no, no. all yeah, over the place. Totally. They, I think the, the people who wrote the episode didn't know what they wanted to ask, and so they just threw shit at the wall. <laughs> these, are, these are as filler as filler gets, these two yep. episodes. <laughs> they have nothing to do with anything. And so meanwhile, Team Rocket parasails right onto the deck of the lab, and they do their motto, but they're trapped <laughs> underneath the parachute. They're covered under the parachute. <laughs> they get it off at the end, and Meowth goes, that's flight. Which he, Meowth, you've already used that one. Well, he can reuse it. He's meow. Come on. Ugh. So they want him to program, instead of the Pokedex, the Team Rocketex. And they go Ooh. into this whole bit where they just lift list off. They, they just brag about themselves. Like, right. Jesse's yeah. the most beautiful, and James is, uh, his head is the too small for his brain. The looks of a movie brain. star. Oh, yeah. Head too small for his brain. Meowth, uh, he's the feline mastermind whose diabolical plans never fail. Only things sharper than my mind are my claws. I'm also humble and housebroken. Perfect. We'll adopt, I love that. I'll adopt you, <laughs> Miel. <laughs> you can be my third cat. Uh, yeah, Westwood thinks that they're trying to kidnap him, and they, uh, he runs in and begs the pictures of his ancestors to help. And again, he goes up to his own photo and begs for help. And he's like, oh, wait, that's me. That's, that's me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really Westwood's what you're talking about, Willis. That's like yeah. his sitcom riff. <laughs> that, and when they call him Professor, he's like, no, 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 don't call me Professor. Call me Westwood Oh, yeah, I, I like this line, because Jesse's retort to that is, I'll call you King Henry VIII. Just give us the Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What does Henry VIII have anything to do with this guy? This is a pretty funny name drop to happen in a Pokemon episode. Wild. Like, like it, I, I get that it's like so historical that it isn't that jarring, but like, okay, so is King Henry the is England in the Pokemon world? England is canonical. England is uh, canonical. Possibly guillotines. Shakespeare. Yeah, guillotines. Divorce I, I is canonical in the Pokemon world. <laughs> the Anglican religion. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's a lot of implications of King Henry. A lot of implications. Oh, man. And and so Slowpoke wanders into the lab. Team Rocket's plan is to use the shelter they just caught to attach to Slowpoke, evolve it into a Slowbro, and then take Slowbro back to the boss. And so Westwood grabs Slowpoke, runs out. He trips, drops Slowpoke, and Jesse sends shelter after it. We had a whole chase scene of Slowpoke running in a circle really fast, which I thought was dumb because Slowpoke is slow. And this is like the one time he's point. suddenly really fast is, is yeah. when the Shelter is chasing him. And and Shelter's can't run. He's like bouncing. He's like bouncing yeah. along the sand, right? You know what? We'll bring that back. Let me, remind me to bring that back up near the end of the episode. Well, he he like he opens his shells with such force that it like propels him and that's how he's like moving i think hmm there's hmm. some interesting stuff there 
Uh, Ash goes to help it, but Misty jumps in with her classic, this is water-type Pokemon, this is my specialty, as if that's gonna fucking change anything. And so she goes for Star... Psyduck comes out. Yeah, of course. It's Psyduck. Let's face it, Misty, you have Psyduck now. And that's okay. it. Repeat after me, Star... Nope, Psyduck. Psyduck. <laughs> There's nothing <Duck>. else. <laughs> and she refers to it as uh, No Mind Leading No Mind, which I wow, thought that was nice, a fun nice. play. Well, th- yeah, this is the Psyduck uh, Slowbro, like, team up. Trying to help uh, Slowbro, uh, Slowpoke, yeah. sorry, Slowpoke. Slowpoke, yeah. Um, Ash says... Because the, the shelter then bites Psyduck's tail instead of the uh, the slowpoke. <laughs> and Ash calls him, it's Cybro. He's going to be a Cybro. <laughs> and like stone cold is like, there's no such thing as a Cybro, you fucking Ash, moron. <laughs> Ash, you fucking idiot. Yeah. I'm so done with it. They you. really berate him for that. But what I love is that like, just a few seconds later, Ash, like all sheepishly, is like, I made it Guys, up. I made up the Cybro it's, thing. I wasn't being serious. I wasn't being oh, serious. No. I made it up. Like he's confessing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so Psyduck has the shelter on his tail and he freaks out and he flings it off. Mist- Misty claims this is for- that he uses wet tail wag attack. Not a thing. Tail whip. Misty, oh. come on. And then, yeah, Ash is like, That's so- I-, I was making it up. Doing the little like kicking a rock thing. Yeah. Sheepishly. Exactly. Yeah. I swear, teacher, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and so wheezing then trampolines off of Psyduck, which that was a great that was a great bit. <laughs> Loved that. Yeah, he was just he was just bouncing on Psyduck's head, right? Like boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, and so then Jesse grabs Shelter, throws it at Slowpoke, misses, and it grabs Psyduck's head. <laughs> yeah. This Brilliant. is perfect. This is perfect. All roads of Psyduck episodes lead to this. <laughs> which causes a massive headache. Which right. awaken Psyduck's latent psychic powers, and he disables Team Rocket in place, and then uses confusion to lift them and Shelter and Weezing all in the air. And then Professor Westwood goes up to Psyduck, and he's like, Whoa, I want, I've never seen these kind of powers before. Let me research them. And then he stops immediately. <laughs> and they, he doesn't they fall. fuck. <laughs> I, I like this time when he is uh, using his psychic powers on Team Rocket, and this has happened before, but this time Meowth goes, where am I? What am I? Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> I love when Psyduck goes super, super duck. Like, it's so badass. <laughs> and so he, like, flings Team Rocket out a, a, a distance, and they, they scream that they're going sandblasting off again. Well done, Team Rocket. Yeah, sure. And then Shelter falls to the ground, Next to Slowpoke, grabs the tail, and it evolves into Slowbro. Right, so all of this saving the day did not uh, do anything. No. Um, So (laughs) why do you think that Westwood was... Like, so Westwood, he's obsessed. Like, he wants to understand why this evolution happens. But he's as this evolution happens, he's never witnessed this before. So why was was he so resistant to this evolution? See, I have I have no idea because these characters make no sense ever. <laughs> and so their motivations are confusing at best. Yeah, that wasn't exactly uh, explained, but uh, I mean maybe he wanted to try and figure it out because like he would only have one chance have one to see go, this evolution. So you wanted to yeah. do it in like a very controlled environment, mm-hmm. possibly, yeah. And so Team Rocket comes running back in after seeing that Slowbro has now become well, Slowpoke has evolved into Slowbro. Mm-hmm. And they they run back in. We're sick of playing these shell games. There you go. There <laughs> you go. And so Westwood sends Slowbro back at him with a mega punch attack. 
but Slowbro has no clue what that is because of its amnesia attack. So, uh, is that a thing? <laughs> amnesia is a thing. It does not cause opponents to forget. It uh, raises special, in Gen 1 special stat, and then Gen 2 onwards special defense stat by two stages. Oh, okay. Well, so, it would have made sense if Amnesia did what Disable did. Yeah. yeah. And just disabled a move. Well, that's what happens in the show, I guess. So, so Slowbro uh, apparently has forgotten Mega Punch. Um, but then, oh, he right in time, he suddenly remembers it. So that's good. And this is awesome. <laughs> this is good. Slowbro yeah. landing the Mega Punch is fantastic. Yeah, his, he lands his the Mega hand, Punch. like glows pink, right? Yeah, and he lands it on all three of them and sends them flying away. And looks like Team Rocket got knocked out again. There you go. Um, we haven't uh, described Slowbro yet. Um, oh, yeah. So, so he it's Slowpoke. is Slowpoke, but now he's standing on two feet. Yeah. And uh, he has bigger. this big shell on his, his back, on his tail. Yeah. Uh, that's that's holding him kind of upright. And he's a little bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got pretty, pretty uh, meaty paws, though, eh? Good old punching, mm-hmm. punching gloves. Yeah, and so Westwood has got it figured out. Shelter clamps onto Slowpoke because it is a mutually beneficial evolution. The shell helps Slowbro balance being able to stand on two feet, freeing up its front legs for punching attacks, and this also allows Shelter to travel on land, which I don't fucking buy. That's bullshit. <laughs> we just saw Shelter chasing Slowpoke. We saw it on land across the beach. <laughs> Westwood. Westwood, you're supposed to be a researcher. How did you not notice that? Yeah, I kind of get the, okay, yeah, it helps Slowpoke balance to now stand up. Okay. That makes Um, sense. I can buy that. The shelter, though, it's like, it's still its own being that now permanently has a tail in its mouth. How does it eat? What does it eat? Um, There's probably some kind of, like, tube. Into Slowbro? (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like, it's like how a... Is this like a, a a human centipede situation? No, I think it's this. It's uh, equivalent to how uh, a fetus absorbs nutrients. Oh, you think he in the does womb. have when they evolve, they like tie together somehow? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I'm going. Well, they with have that. an umbilical cord. That's yeah. what you're trying to get. Yeah. At? Okay. <laughs> but anyway, they've uh, they've uncovered the mystery as far as they are concerned, which is not how I'm concerned because I think it's bullshit. Yeah, they also didn't say the word symbiosis. Should have dropped that one for the kids. Unfortunate. But now it's evening time and the gang is going to head back to Pallet Town. Psyduck seems sad. He wants to go say goodbye to his new friend, which I I thought that was sweet. I thought that was fun. I like that. And so we're at the beach at sunset. They don't know how to say goodbye. You know what? I ship Psyduck and Slowbro. You ship, ship them? It. Like, you think I they're going to make out? Or like I think they're friends? a good couple. No, okay. they're a good, they would be a good couple. Psyduck and Slowbro are the best Pokemon couple. Okay. And you can quote me on that. I'm not sure if I I picked up, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> chemistry of Roman- that type. Romance. I certainly it's the did sunset. friends. I thought they were It great was the friends. sunset. Well, you never say goodbye to a homie at sunset. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> Not fair. on the beach. Standing face to face, staring into each other's eyes. Exactly. Yeah. And then no, you let I... out a big old sigh. <laughs> and so uh, uh, the narrator says a lot of of stuff about uh, come join us next week. I didn't write it down because I didn't think it was important. And then he said, "Don't worry, we'll still be here." And I thought that was funny because <laughs> they will never finish saying goodbye. No, the show is now just these two Pokemon saying goodbye. <laughs> that is what yeah. the whole show is now. <laughs> forever 
All right. right. And that is the episode. Yeah. So, not the best episode, right? Like, nah, it's, it's, it's fine. Right. <laughs> it is kind of funny. Like, I, I like these fillery episodes for what they are. And, and they're kind of more akin to, like, a Saturday morning cartoon, like, Looney Tunes-ish, right? Like, just see some antics. Um, But, yeah, a little on the weaker side. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you guess what my literary comparison would be to the evolution solution? Oh, is it um oh fuck, what's it called? The the, the yeah, book by Darwin. It. You got it. The book by Darwin. <laughs> yes, of course it is. Uh it's on the origin of species. There you go. Yes, That's by it. Charles uh Darwin. Considered to be the foundation of evolutionary biology. I'm taking this from Wikipedia, of course, because like where else would you read about the origin of species? Come on, it's a good enough place. Uh November twenty fourth. 1859 um, book introduced the scientific theory that populations evolve over the course of generations. Of course, this is like a real scientific phenomenon um, and is is shown kind of how living creatures have changed uh, their biological makeup over time, at least like what kind of creatures that there are, what kind of species that there are. I have not read The Origin of Species. I think I've seen excerpts from it. I hear it is pretty dense, a good... Uh, a good yeah, one to uh, knock yourself out to. You know, I usually read crappy shonen manga to fall asleep, but I could definitely, <laughs> I could definitely try this. Um, that's definitely like the core idea of evolution. This is a little bit of a cheap one bringing this up because, like, yeah, the core evolution idea of evolution from Pokemon, of course, is uh, at least titled after the real uh, theory of evolution. So, and, and it comes up all the time, but uh, mm-hmm. thought this was the opportunity since it's literally yeah. called the evolution solution. <laughs> and the, uh, the scientist, you know, Larry David on the island studying the animals is like the story of Darwin going to uh, like the Galapagos, was it? Yep. And, yep. and uh, looking at the finches and thinking about their, uh, their beaks and stuff. At least that's kind of the story that, that goes along with uh, this when, when people talk about it. Yeah. The origin of species here. It's a, here it's a humdinger. I'm going to loop it back to Pokemon You're gonna by it. referencing <laughs> loop it. Uh, ball ticklers and lube this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to okay. loop, loop it, it back, back to Pokemon yeah, yeah. with um, referencing the uh, epic rap battle of history, Charles Darwin versus oh. Ash Ketchum. Oh, and you probably didn't shit. know about that. That is vaguely familiar. That that was it's a YouTube right. hit, right? Or is it before YouTube? Epic Rap Battle, no, Epic Rap Battles of History um, was, like, huge in, like, early 2010s and stuff. They're still going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the more recent, and by more recent, I mean the past, like, six, seven years or something, was uh, Darwin versus Ash. And okay, I definitely don't know it then. And it's because of that video that I know Darwin went to the Galapagos. That's why I was able to, <laughs> to confirm that fact for you. Hey, I wasn't assuming anything. I I, I thought you knew. I was kind of thinking it was from an episode of Wishbone or Reading Rainbow or something. But like, yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Reading Rainbow on the origin of species. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a little <laughs> bit heavy, so. but who knows? <laughs> All right. Uh, LeVar Burton just reading like this is dry scientific text <laughs> to the kids. And the emerging patterns of the carnivore's teeth can thus show us from the mammoth's lower jaw, oh. blah, blah, blah. You know, I should have known what the book title was because one of Ash's lines in that rap battle is your shit talking mouth is the origin of feces. Oh, oh, come burn. on. How did I not? How did I not get that one? Oh, that's Shoot. pretty All right. fucking good. Let's get <laughs> to the four poor, shall we? 
Right, so this is the four part of the Plastic Pig Pump Picture of Objective Rankings. We're going to pull two categories randomly from this picture, and that's what we'll be rating the episodes based on. Uh, what is our first category, Kellen? Our first category for the evolution solution will be Anime Mom Energy. There wasn't oh, a lot of Delia. In well, she's, oh, she no, she's in it right at the start. She is. The sandwiches. That's it. We got the sandwich. And ditching her child to go have fun. God, Ash's mom is a babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we okay. don't get that much of her, though. No. That's my, look, but she's there, look, and she, I, we love her. I'm not that guy who's just, like, gross all the time. So that I pledge to you, I will only be gross about one character. And it is Ash's mom. She is so hot. <laughs> I will not make that same promise because it's good for the content. Well, because the the because Lorelei and Orge Islands will happen at some point. Yes. I've seen the thumbnail on yep. Bulbapedia and I'm like, I, wasn't I don't thinking remember about that. that. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that, but yes. I do not remember right. that. Okay. <laughs> um, At five for me. Yeah, three. Like we She's all there. We get a bit. We get a bit, but that's it. It's not a mom episode. So that's four. All right. And number two will be Team Rocket's motto. So it's them in oh, it's, the it's in parachute. The, uh, the parachute. Uh, not bad. So and me out. That's flight. Do we take five as like the typical one? Or um, oh, I can't remember. I think we've established this before. I think I think the base Team Rocket motto with absolutely no changes is the baseline one. Oh, okay. Well, because then, it's always um, going to be there, but it can only get better than that. Then a four. A four. It, it is. I was thinking like improvement, six. but well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, more was very I'm more comfortable with a six. It's a good bit. It's a good. Bit. Uh, you can go four if you'd like. No, I'm no, 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 six. no. I'm trying to calibrate it here. All, All right, right, fine. Because this is a tricky one. Yes, six. Okay, six is good. So uh, between six and a four, that is five. Perfectly average episode. And it is a perfectly average yeah. episode. <laughs> this is four poor agrees with us this time. The four poor agrees. This time it deserves the five. Sometimes we'll give like we'll be like the greatest episode of the show. And we'll give it a two. <laughs> <laughs> Three. Fuck you. It gets a two and a half. Yeah. All right. Moving uh, on to the next episode, episode sixty-nine. Nice. nice. The Pikahuna. Now I want to say before we get into this episode, genuinely, I loved this. Okay. I okay. thought this was a fantastic episode. Sweet, like um, like I'm I'm ge- genuinely, honestly, I'm talking like top five of episodes we've seen so far. Really? Yeah, I <laughs> okay. loved this okay. episode. You know what? I'm not sure if I agree, but I'm open to it. Um, <laughs> no, I actually am. I, I I don't agree actually. But I was not I, expecting you to, I, to agree. I, I, but watching this one, I, I was into it. Necessarily have a I don't have like a principle as to disagree. So I'm definitely <laughs> excited to hear kind of like what things you picked up on. It is such a bottled episode that I could see this either being one that like a person really loves or that like you don't remember at all. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, absolutely. But oh, I thought it was you fantastic. Know what? You're you're a very like you like something that's like the design of it strikes you and that it's like cute or, or leaves an impact. It's the surfing Pikachu. That's why you like it, partially, right? Partially, partially. <laughs> that's okay. Surfing well, Pikachu's mean, fucking that's not, dope. Yeah, yeah, that's not all of it. I just thought, I just like, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode from start to finish. Okay, okay, cool. But let's get into it from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ash and Pikachu are training for the league to be in top shape. Uh, everyone's in athletic gear. Yeah, they're, and they're I, doing the rock. This is weird. Yeah, they're all in, 
They're advertising for Adidas. They're in full, like, Eastern European track suits, right? Like, they're going to, like, start squatting and, like, selling cigarettes or something. <laughs> like, it's like... <laughs> this is the Gang second vibes. episode, only other one being Beauty and the Beach so far, that the character, the gang, is in different clothes for the entire episode. Like, we don't see their default outfits. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't catch that. Good point. I, I mean, maybe this sounds like kind of small but i love an anime when they give characters different clothes oh yeah it's It's, so cool (laughs) it's so novel yeah it's like it's a breath of fresh air honestly there's some manga kind of more recently that have been better for this like of course like one piece is awesome how every arc like people have different clothes there's a manga called dandadan for any of you that actually read manga you gotta check out dandadan it's about aliens and uh ghosts but uh, the characters in it are always wearing like different clothes, and oh man, are they drippy? They are the <laughs> drippy as heck. And so uh, they're running down the road, and a car drives by and splashes them with the puddle and sprays them with the exhaust. And suddenly, Ash is in the middle of a traffic jam full of angry New York drivers. Yeah, he finds himself in Times Square suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, where'd you learn to drive? I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Get yourself What's the a hot dog. With you? Get the pizza pie. Ma, the spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jenny, Jenny comes driving in on her her bike and directs the traffic out of the way. And then I, I th- this is fantastic. I loved this yes. bit. Which wasn't a bit, I don't think. This was just um, poor writing and planning where she goes, well, that's over. And then one car drives by very slowly. And it's just (laughs) five seconds of silence before she goes, next time, be a little more careful. And it's just there's nothing in that five second stretch. Yeah, just let it let it hang. (laughs) The reason why is we need a whole lot of buildup because she's about to say, the greatest word ever spoken in Pokemon history. Humunga Dunga. There is a lot of traffic because Humunga Dunga is on the way. Humunga first, Dunga. Now, at first, I thought she said Humunga Doug, and that was a person that was coming. And that was going to be like a person. Yeah, like the legendary surfer. Or this is like not. the King Kong of the yeah. Sea Islands, Humunga Doug. And so Humunga Dunga is a giant wave that only hits the island once every 20 years. Oh, yeah. And there is a, a bit of a competition between surfers where they try to ride the wave as high as they can and stick a flag in this rock spire that's jutting out of the ocean. Mm-hmm. There's one flag the pin at the very, very top of this rock spire planted by Jan. And it's only the Jan one flag. Jan the man. Jan is a surfing legend. Yeah, he's the greatest surfer in the history of the Seafoam Islands. And so Ash, of course, gets it in his head that he's going to do it. And he goes surfing with his Psyduck surfboard. Yeah, <laughs> very, I like I that him. surfboard. Very cute. Very Loved cute. it. And then Togepi's playing in a puddle with Pikachu, which has oh, no effect cute. on the story, but it was so fucking cute. It's cute. It's very cute. Well, because uh, it's at that moment that uh, Pikachu, while playing with Togepi, notices uh, on top of a cliff there's another pikachu there looking into the sea and mm-hmm. its tail is kind of glowing blue and it's also kind of shaggy it yep. seems old it's aged it's an old pikachu a wise so pikachu yes its tail lifts and glows and then we go to some purple-haired man in the house and he goes that's a big wave but it's not the big wave exactly <laughs> that's basically <laughs> how he talks 
You could just like be Sam Elliott, the actor. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Ash is surfing on his uh, glorious Sidex surfboard, which, uh, you know, like if, if I surfed, that would be the surfboard. Uh, mm-hmm. the, that Absolutely. is a sick surfboard. And he's not bad. He's kind of doing it. But then suddenly he wipes out and something's wrong with his foot. I like I don't think this is really explained, but he's just like crying for help. He's like something was wrong with my foot. He's, Okay, yeah, maybe just cramp, but it, it's making him die, uh, this <laughs> foot cramp. And a big wave is coming, you know, it's a big wave. It's not the big wave, but it's a big not wave. And Ash is hurt. Wave. He's kind of like head down in the water at this point. It's pretty serious. Uh, swoops in, though, before Ash is going to be turned to cream corn by the wave. The old oh. man and the Pikachu, the old man that we saw before with the purple hair, swoops in. They've got this glorious red surfboard. They're both on the surfboard. And they're saying surf surfing terms kind of while they're surfing. They're like, oh, it's great. I don't even remember them, but they're like, they're, he's like, Pikachu, make sure you got the Oop-ka. hang 10 from the, from the. I wrote him. I wrote him. Oh, down. you wrote him down. Let's yeah. hear it. He goes, Buka, pipeline, Buka, shoot the girl. <laughs> shoot the girl, Puka. Shoot the girl. Puka's the name of the, the, the Pikachu, the older Pikachu. Yeah. And uh, before this, when Ash is not able to surf, I found it funny. Misty says, I guess Ash must be practicing his wipeouts, right, Togepi? And Togepi agrees. Togepi is like a baby. I don't think Togepi knows what's going on, and Misty is using Togepi as her own little echo chamber. As all parents do. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Come on, I would do that too. I would be like, like (laughs) use him as like the cheapest audience. (laughs) This purple hair man and Puka. 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 Come uh, surfing in, they grab Ash, save him. He wakes up for a bit, but passes out after seeing this Pikachu from the back. That's all he sees. He wakes up in a bed at this purple man, purple hair, purple hair man's house. We learn his name is Victor. Mm-hmm. And I like Victor a lot. I think he's a fun character. He also, for some reason, reminds me of Tom Selleck. Yeah, no, he does. I mean, yeah. mustache. <laughs> The voice and it's the it's kind of the age that you think of too when you think of like i mean tom Selleck is is old uh he's still alive right yep but he's pretty old i think but you think of that sort of like kind of 40 like magnum pi right yeah but he is 78 there you go he's getting up there mm-hmm. um yeah so victor is saying don't thank him think puka um like don't you think him. this thank puka you think this name puka he was like Pukachu. Like, he just, like, pronounced Pikachu it's wrong. Pukachi. <laughs> yeah, was it a Pukachi? <laughs> <laughs> Is that one of them Pokemans <laughs> from the Nintendos? Is that one of them Pokachis with that Thunderbolt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he introduces himself. He's Victor. Pikachu goes out to meet Puka on the cliff. And this is a sweet moment. I love this. Mm-hmm. Pikachu is, like, meeting his elder. Very adorable. First Team Rocket has to be here and mess everything up. And they're in the Gyarados sub again. They're going to go after Pikachu. Uh, both Pikachu. They're, they're seeing double. They've got them through the periscopes. They set their eyes on two Pikachus. Steal one, get one free. That's the deal of the day, according to James. If you steal them, aren't they both free? I think that's the joke, Kellen. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think so. I oh, think it's okay. just James being dumb. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll double their salary, they think, with two Pikachus. Two-week vacay. Everything comes in twos this episode. And then Misty is trying to put Togepi down for a nap, which I found weird because, like, we've never seen this from Togepi. Like, we, Togepi needs to nap? 
Yeah, Togepi okay. is an actual toddler this episode. Yeah. Togepi is a human toddler. <laughs> I think they just they threw this in here to explain why Misty doesn't have Togepi throughout the rest of the episode. Yeah, during like be. the big could wave be. moments. I, I like this it. shot though because she's sitting there with the coffee. And how good does coffee look in an anime aesthetic? <laughs> There's just something about coffee in anime that's like. Oh damn, coffee looks wonderful. Dope. Yeah, it looks so good. It's just, it's <laughs> nothing fancy. It's just like a little picture of a coffee, but like at, at, at coffee in an anime aesthetic, very nice, very nice. And so Vic, we get some backstory now. Victor has had Puka for twenty years. He didn't catch it like normal. Puka came to him from the sea, and then we flashback. Victor sitting down, sitting around the beach when uh, a Pikachu comes surfing in on a piece of driftwood. And jumps into Victor's arms, and it's we don't really notice it until it jumps into Victor's arms. But this Pikachu is tiny. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> He's like a baby Pikachu, and I love it. And I want to grown up it. a lot in those twenty years. It, it and definitely I want to has... forfeit all mortal possessions to it. <laughs> well, it's got glowing blue eyes. So yeah, that's weird. Of... He's definitely from the the desert planet Arrakis from the Dune series, mm-hmm. where the uh, Freemen the Freemen have uh, glowing blue eyes from being exposed to the spice for too long. That is exactly <laughs> what's happening with this Pikachu. The well, spice got, must flow. <laughs> I've got a theory eyes. about this Pikachu, but we'll hit it later. Yeah, we'll hit it later. There. Yeah, and yeah. I'm guessing yours doesn't have to do with Dune, but uh, no, so, so we'll get so. that out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a mysterious Pikachu. It can feel the waves in its body. Sense when a big wave is coming. So they've surfed every big wave in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so the gang looks at all the pictures he has on the wall. There's a picture of him 20 years ago from 40 years ago. And then another one from, I believe, 40 years ago with Jan. Yes. He met the legendary Jan the man, surfer. The legendary Jan. And they get more backstory. Everyone wanted to be like Jan, including Victor. And then they get a long, long flashback sequence of Victor <laughs> wiping out this, yeah. over and over again. And uh, Jan could seemingly sense the waves, too. He was waiting for Jan something. Jan looks like Patrick Swayze with a ponytail. <laughs> he looks like Patrick know. Swayze from Point Break. I don't know uh, Patrick Swayze enough to be able to confirm or deny. So you'll just go with it. Thank so you. So I'll just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> He is definitely Patrick Swayze's character from Point Break, who also is obsessed with riding a big wave. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was waiting for one big thing, and then one day, Humunga Dunga came on out. And that was the day Jan rose to the road to the top of that wave, planted the flag at the top of that spire, and became a legend. He then gave his surfboard to Victor and left to surf the world. Without his surfboard. Without his surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> he uses these nice, like, watercolor stills, kind of like back mm-hmm. in the Magmar. Love them. When, when they did Magmar like that. Yeah. You tell this story. Uh, it, it's uh, definitely impactful. Yeah, I like those a lot. And then 20 years later, Victor himself went up against Humungadunga when he came back, and he failed horribly. Oh, and he wanted to quit surfing at that point. It he dejected so him yeah. terribly. He never wanted to surf again. And this is when this flashback connects with the old flashback because this is the moment he's sitting on the beach and Puka comes to him surfing on a little piece of driftwood. And Puka is what reinvigorated his love of surfing. Mm -hmm. Now, my theory is that Puka is Jan. Yeah. A hundred percent. I thought they were going to straight up say that. Yeah, I was actually really surprised (laughs) that they did not explain what Puka is. 
because the timing of it all, he comes from the sea, he has the same ability of Jan that he could like sense the big waves, yeah. apparently. The only thing I was hoping to see uh, that would basically confirm my theory is Puka has those piercing blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Jan has brown eyes, unfortunately. Yeah, the blue eyes thing, I don't I don't know what that's about. Like, no clue. The, he's like a supernatural Pikachu. Yeah, I, I thought they would maybe tie it together by saying Jan died at some point, you know? And then mm-hmm. it's like, he's reincarnated as a surfing Pikachu. No, I think he metamorphosized into a Pikachu. <laughs> you think he literally turned <laughs> It's literally Jan. He got hit with some, like, beam that Bill made or something. <laughs> right, the Bill beam. Gotcha. Bill the Bill beam. <laughs> Bill, use Bill beam! <laughs> <laughs> and so... Since that day, they have conquered every wave except for Humungadunga, and Ash encourages him. He's like, yeah, you can do it. I believe in you. And he's like, thanks, Ash. <laughs> I like your impression. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way he talks. It's like deep and slow and very enunciative. Great. It's more cowboy than surfer, but it works. Yeah. 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 And so uh, interrupting the story, we hear screams from the Pikachu. Team Rocket have them in their subs grasp. And uh, they do the motto atop a geyser. The only difference yeah, in this motto up spray of water. Yeah. Only difference in this motto is uh, James adds make it uh, make it double dudes. And that was, that was it. Mm. No real try there. No, no. So they do that. Uh, they go. They drop back down into the sub and drag the Pikachu in with them. Pikachu, our Pikachu, tries to shock their way out of the capture capsule, but again, doesn't work. They like using these glass capsules a lot these days. Oh, yeah. So I got the two Pikachus in one capsule. That's the two for one treatment really going on. And then the Team Rocket sub uh, goes deep. They're hanging into deep water to uh, to get away from uh, the gang. There's eyes in the dark, though. And a bunch of Gyarados swim out and attack them. Uh, I believe it's James remembers that he read once they uh, Gyarados travel to shallow water once a year to lay their eggs and are very aggressive and do not want to be disturbed. I thought for a second his point was that they that the Gyarados were going to want to fuck the Gyarados. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh no, this is a mating ritual. <laughs> we're the hottest Gyarados. <laughs> but so they uh, they try to leave by ascending to the surface very slowly. But the Gyarados fire off a bunch of hyper beams, and uh, the gang see the sub fly out of the ocean and break apart, sending Team Rocket blasting off again. And both the Pikachu fly out of the capsule. This is the last we will see of Team Rocket until the very, very end. But they're done with the uh, the plot of this episode. They're gone. Yeah, they're kind of incidental. They're background yeah. noise. Yeah, it's just to cause a little bit of, whoa, whoa. Yeah, let's stir the pot a little. Stir the pot. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, Ash gets Bulbasaur to vine whip his Pikachu to safety, uh, leaving Puka to drown in the water. And uh, be Ash has a cold forever. heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has sentenced Puka to death. But no, Victor throws the surfboard out for Puka to grab onto and then jumps in after it. And uh, the waves are starting to get really heavy, so the gang doesn't want him doing that. They're scared for him. Uh, they go, they head back to shore. And this is when Puka starts to glow real heavy. Humungadunga is on the horizon. Big glow since it's a heavy flow. Humungadunga <laughs> is here. And uh, so Jenny warns everyone to evacuate the beach. And get to high ground. I thought these surfers would go, like, try to surf this thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's why they were here. <sighs> yeah, wasn't, it? wasn't there so many people coming for Humungadunga? Yeah. But then they're, like, basically, like, now that we're here, Humungadunga's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, like nature should not be fucked with, you know? <laughs> it's like when it's like when kids are so confident, they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna ride Space Mountain and they get to Disney World and they see Space Mountain and they're like, oh um, they just instantly shit their pants. No, no, exactly. thank you. I'm good. Exactly. And that totally would have been me. I did not like fast rides when I was No, there. I'm not into that either. The gang is watching from this higher ground and they're mm-hmm. watching for Thanks. Victor. And they yep. see him on top, at the of, top the of the wave, atop Humungadunga to the Puka. kick ass. Ooh, the electric guitar riff comes blasting in, and this is so good. So I, I, I wrote down exactly here. Whoo. I wrote that Kellen is going to say this music rips ass. <laughs> it does rip ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I've been doing a little bit of, uh, I don't know if I would call it research on the side. Introspection. But, uh, introspection, sure. I've been like, listening to these songs that I like and trying to figure out why I enjoy them so much mm-hmm, in these moments mm-hmm. so I can put a name on it. This music is a, uh, a a composition of the gym theme, not the yep. gym leader battle theme, the theme from inside the gyms, the buildings in the games. Oh, okay. So if I refer to the electric guitar gym theme, this is the one I'm talking about. It kicks ass. I love it. And it's, and it's, it's a melody from Red, or, Red and Blue, yes, but like yeah. composed with electric guitars and synthesizers. Synths and stuff, right? yeah. yeah. And so I I just love this this song. Because it's always used in a in a in a badass moment. Oh, it's either yeah. this character it's a climax song. Yeah. It's either like this character is uh down and out, but then they they rise to the top immediately and they they reinvigorate themselves and they kick ass, or it's like we saw last week with the Mr. Mime, they're facing off against Team Rocket, things seem a little bleak, but then someone jumps in and uh takes their their rightful spot in kicking Team Rocket's fucking asses yeah someone rises to the occasion it's about like facing your goals head on being your true self uh and the song really owns that especially if it goes on long enough there's this little like flute sec i think it's a flute there's a little flute section where it's like something like that um that was a horrible reinterpretation i was banging my head to it you can't (laughs) see it but i was like hell yeah but if it goes when it if it goes into the little the little flute section it's always like that lull of encouragement and you can, like you're you're doing this. You can do it. You can continue to kick ass. And then it goes back into the the sweet electric guitars, which is yeah, I am kicking your ass. Hell and yeah. it's just oh, it's so good. Anyway, that song comes on when they see Victor riding atop this wave, and it's badass. He jumps from the wave and plants his flag at the top of this rock spire, right next to Jan. Right next to Jan. Victor and Puka have conquered Humungadunga, and Humungadunga's it's so their good. bitch. They uh, surf down a safety. Humungadunga then goes on to destroy the beach, <laughs> causing <laughs> millions of dollars of property damage. <laughs> but he, uh, he safely surfs in into shore, and then uh, as a bit of a throwback to earlier in the episode, we didn't cover it in detail, but during his whole flashback sequence, after Jan conquered Humungadunga, he noticed Victor looking ahead him in like in awe. And so Jan goes up to him and like looks him in the eyes and says, you can do it too. And then that's when he gives him the surfboard. And so Victor sees this group of young surfers, goes up to them and looks him in the eye and says the same thing. You can do it too. And they didn't show it explicitly, but I do like to think he gave the surfboard to one of those surfers as in as a passing along in the next generation of surfers. And I mm. loved this moment. I oh, thought this yeah. was great. That's totally it's very what it is. emotional, um, inspiring, beautiful mm-hmm. stuff. I love this is the kind of stuff I love. 
Okay. And this is one of the reasons I love this episode so much. It's just that whole sequence. That's pretty cool. So it's not necessarily about, you know, the Pokemon lore exactly. Uh, it's just that it's a it's an earnest and honest story about yeah. a, a man's life. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's old. He has done what he always wanted to do. He conquered that final mountain. And now he's ready to pass on his knowledge and skills to the next generation to hopefully create someone else that could be a surfing legend. And I just love that. The whole like generational loop. Yeah. The positive generational loop. I like that. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. He, he's definitely seeing himself in the world, what he puts into the world. And, and yeah, there's a soul to that. There's, there's a real, yeah, maybe that's another way of putting it too. There, there's a, there's a soul to this episode. Mm-hmm. A yeah. lot of soul. A and it comes soul. in, with the the last narrator basically summing up the episode with you're never too late for some dreams to come true. And I thought, yeah. you know, that's a great way to cap off that message of the episode. That um, is the message of the episode. Yeah, it's great. And then we go back to Team Rocket and they're in their half broken sub being circled by Gyarados and that's it. But I don't give a shit. Surrounded about by the Gyarados mating orgy waiting yeah. for Humungadunga to save them. They're like, dude, there'll be another Humungadunga like in a minute or two. In like <laughs> a, like, maybe a week. Maybe 20 years, Meowth. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love how they show Team Rocket always in these like dire situations. We never see them get out of them. Like no, how the hell just, did they like, get out of this? In the next episode. Yeah. But they'll be like, They'll be getting like tortured by underground mole people, or they'll be like <laughs> sacrificed to an Aztec god. You know, <laughs> like I like want to see this one where they're tortured by underground volcano. mole people. <laughs> it's always something like that, like being torn apart by Martians. Like it's always mm-hmm. like like crazy. I made all of those up, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're always on the verge of death. Oh man! But that is the episode. That is the Pikahuna. Right, so literary hour. I want to talk this one through. Baywatch. I... <laughs> sure. I mean, there's, the, yeah, you can pick beach stuff. I like, I like that. <laughs> there's no slow motion uh, women running down beaches though, so I don't. Or men. David Hasselhoff. Oh yeah, they were all. They were all. They were all sex appeal. They were all right? slow mo. Yeah. All of them. Um, yeah, it was so for everybody. I, the theme, you know, I like how you capped off the theme never too late for some dreams to come true. I was kind of digging into like what are themes and what's a theme in literature that has to do with like really sticking to a goal. And one of the things that uh, that kind of jumped out at me is that at least in the classics, uh, how they show being super focused on a goal for a long time is usually tied to obsession. And it's actually mm-hmm. usually not yeah. necessarily a good thing. So no. so the, the literary book I'll call out, and I don't think I've brought it up before, but maybe I have in some of the first episodes, because it's easy to reference, would be Moby Dick. Because that's all about how Ahab gets so obsessed within his uh, journey, his, his adventure of, of chasing down the white whale, Moby Dick. It's a revenge story, but it's about an obsession. And it's really about how like our goals can consume us to the point where we can make sacrifices. We can stop seeing the big picture and we can really just caught up into it. And, and Moby Dick is a really interesting metaphor for a lot of things like creative processes um, and, and other sort of journeys that we put ourselves through as as we go into it you know so holistically this though is a a much more positive spin on this and this is the part i'm having troubles rectifying is if a lot of classic literature shows this is so negative though do you see victor's journey here as negative you obviously loved it so he devotes his whole life to surfing is that an obsession or is that just being true to yourself 
I think the the difference is that with like Moby Dick, he is straight up obsessed with the whale. But something mm-hmm. like this, it is while surfing is something that he does like all the time. It's not necessarily like he genuinely could stop when he wanted to. He wasn't oh, sure. That's the classic <laughs> addict. That's, that's, you, you, know I mean. you know what I mean. You know what I mean. the thing. <laughs> he he wasn't all. He wasn't very confident about Himangandanga. Like he wasn't obsessed to the point that he was going out surfing to to be able to conquer this wave. Well, this is where I, 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 there's a lot unsaid in this episode, right? So Victor mm-hmm. doesn't have a family. Like, what What has Victor sacrificed for the vision of Humangadanga? I mean, he's also old. Of Maybe they're all shown. dead. Maybe he has killed his family in <laughs> o- to the rain gods in order to conquer hum- Humangadanga. Maybe Victor is a raging psychopath. His his closet is full of real skeletons. Wow. Maybe Breaking news. I mean, there was a a time in his life where he was uninspired to surf. And it was something else coming along and reinvigorating a lot. Like it's it's not it's not an obsession, it's a love. I That's think there's a where difference I think there. it is a very cool spin on that. And this is where, you know, I couldn't really think of one that is just like, I, I'm sure there's got to be some good comparisons. But I, I was getting so caught up in that classics view of this that I kind of was having a hard time thinking of of one that is is based on, on not obsession, but love. You know, just throughout this, I, I thought of a, a book I really liked is called My Name is Asher Lev about uh, a kid from a very devout Jewish family in New York who uh, he becomes an artist, but his his love for art puts him at odds for his love with religion because his, his parents are like extremely devout um, religious. And in the art community, he would have to do things like draw crucifixions, which put him at like major odds with his religion. It is told through that his his view of art as could have seen by as an obsession from others i do think it is about love and it's about loving himself also right that's what mm-hmm. that's what when you when you love things like like that like the like surfing like an art like something like that yeah like writing or whatever it is you put your heart into that's about loving yourself right yeah i think victor in a way is kind of like the everyman it, it's it's not a moby dick obsession it's a goal it's a dream he's always wanted to achieve and he's willing to put in that work to achieve that dream but he's I'm, he's not gonna like kill people to, to get there you know <laughs> yeah he's not i think that. it's i think it's relatable i think he might have killed team rock <laughs> but who would you think that every episode <laughs> yeah I think he's a relatable character in that. And he wants to achieve this dream, has kind of lost confidence due to his age, but he's realized, you know what, that's that's nothing. I can do it, and I'm going to do it. I can do it. I'll put my back into it. Yeah. Uh, I like that. that. I like that. I'm glad that, you know, this wasn't the cleanest literary hour, but I, I'm that was the kind of discussion I wanted. This to is spark. the most insight I've ever put into literary hour. <laughs> well, you can do it. I appreciate your insights. That's what it's all about. It's about thinking through themes. It's about having fun with the ideas. So that's great. Yeah. Let's uh, let's kick it to four port. Look at that. An actual discussion. An Go actual us. discussion. Go Conversations us. on two kilo deli <laughs> Couldn't have ever guessed. <laughs> All right. Ooh, first category for the Pikahuna is the plot. I Ooh. liked it. It's a well, full. I mean, you're obviously a huge fan. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a full. It's the full story of Victor. We get it all in one episode. It's inspirational. It's emotional. It's fun. I'm giving it an eight. Okay, I, I'm gonna say a seven. You know what? And I probably would have gone lower, but you've been such a good salesperson that I gotta <laughs> at least go a seven because there's a lot of loose ends, and and I yeah, I think that as 
plot is like a technical concept it's missing some things like what the deal is with puka yeah yeah yeah, if they would have like yeah if they would have rounded out the edges on the jan puka connection um and i they didn't even need to straight out say it but just like even hinting a bit more to Mm -hmm. the point where it felt a little bit more resolved if i think that that would have gone somewhere if puka at the end of the episode after they conquered humongadunga like re-metamorphosized into jan and he was like I knew you could do it. You did it, Victor. Congratulations. That would have been that would have been a 10 right there. Wait, and then he's like a ghost and he disappears. Just like Patrick Swayze and ghost. It would have been so good. You can't right? tell me that would have been incredible That's TV. Putting a full circle on my Patrick Swayze analogy. <laughs> that would have been such a good TV. You can't tell me otherwise. All right. Category number two. He fully metamorphosizes back into Jan and kisses Victor firmly on the lips. <laughs> Category number two is Ash Moron Moments. Uh, Not his foot. He... <laughs> My foot. <laughs> no, that, that, that was just he wanted to surf. Immediately, immediately after hearing this legend, being like, yeah, I'm going to be a good surfer. <laughs> I think that was pretty stupid. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. really nothing. It was a little. That was just kind of Ash-like. That, yeah, that's not a lot. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, an awful lot of this episode is taken up by um, by Jan's story, so there isn't, there isn't that yeah. much room I mean, Victor. For, uh, for stupid stuff. I-, I wish that this was last episode so we could talk about a Cybro, because <laughs> that was incredible. That was a good one. Yeah, that's like a three for me. Uh, one. Yeah, no, weak, weak on that, weak on that. Oh, do, do we have, four, <laughs> do we have a category for, like, amazing names of things? <laughs> I don't think we do, <laughs> but Humunga Dunk is a tad. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. like, a, if I ever have kids, the firstborn, Humunga Dunga. Dunga. <laughs> that's the name. <laughs> that, uh, you saying that actually reminds me, we do have a little bit to discuss in terms of the four poor. Okay. Um, we got a comment over this last week Ooh. on the YouTube version of uh, the My Machine. I'm going to just read this out and then we can discuss it. From uh, one Alex Riker says, do we have four pours for Professor Oak and Ash's mom moments slash situations that point towards them hooking up or the Pokemon sound slash noises in an episode or the gender fluidity represented in episodes since Jesse and James in particular regularly break typical gender stereotypes. So I think we can take those one at a time. Unfortunately, I, I do like the Professor Oak mom moments. I think they're too few and far between, though. Yeah, I don't know about calling that out specifically. Yeah, first of all, thank you for the the comments. Definitely love this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Some stuff to chew on here. So I, I we do have one for Ash's mom. We don't have one about Oak, though. Like, Oak, well, no, the, 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 the suggestion was... Yeah, I know, I know, I know, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ripping it apart. Okay, gotcha. I, I agree with you. I don't think we'll put one just for uh, the romantic implications, but, uh, but we could, you know, that reminds me, we could have a nod to Oak somehow. We could. Yeah, we'll take. We may that. have to think. We'll take we may that, have to think uh, about that one a little more off the podcast, but yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, Pokemon sounds and noises in the episode. So that I kind of like that one. I kind of like yeah, that one. I kind of yeah, like that fun. one, especially like when they get you doing impressions. So <laughs> uh, I'm down with the Pokemon sounds one. Yeah. Okay, so we can do that. Um, we may, I think we may have to limit that to the the non gang Pokemon. The oh, gang, yeah, not the gang's Pokemon. So, or like, like of the new uh, featured Pokemon sounds. Yeah. yeah. Because like I mean, otherwise do, it's just a lot of featured Pokemon tastes. So we could we could do featured Pokemon sounds. Yeah. We may uh 
parse that around a little more to mm-hmm. iron out the details. Uh, and then there's uh, the gender fluidity represented in episodes since Jesse and James in particular regularly break typical gender stereotypes. I- right, right. I think this is explicitly asking for, for something that sort of commends, like, hopefully some of the more progressive parts, you know, like we've called out before how, like, when James um, wears uh, women's clothes, like, he owns it, you know, <laughs> and he looks great in it. So there is sort of like a, I don't know what the word for this would be, though, but it's like a great... Yeah, and Jesse too. Whenever when Jesse dresses like a like Napoleon, I yeah. lose my mind. I love when she dresses like that. <laughs> we could do um the ball that says um breaking gender norms. Okay. Yeah. I'm down yeah. with that. That'd be that'd be a fun one. Cool. Um because that, that leaves some room for critical thinking too. Whereas like, you know, this is a nineties show and there's lots of like eh, very kind of campy gendered stuff that is like a little bit ham fisted. Mm-hmm. But occasionally there's stuff that makes you go, Oh, like that that was kind of neat. So yeah. Yeah. So that is that is that is two categories added from one comment. Well done. Oh congratulations. Thank you, Alex, right? Was it the yep. Yep. commenter? Thank you, Alex. All right. Appreciate it. Well, and again, we'll parse over the details probably offline, but yeah. in general, very, very good stuff. And that is this week. We that is this week on TCAD. We, we survived. We went through the gauntlet of crazy satanic newspaper articles, then into the evolution solution, the opposite of uh, weird right-wing <laughs> newspaper <laughs> articles. Evolution. <laughs> and then finally, we surfed ourselves to greatness with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> and Tom Selleck. <laughs> and Humangadunga, my <laughs> child. <laughs> All right, you want to know what we're doing next week? Yes, I do. What's next? Next week? next week is a very special week. It's going to be a good week. We're not looking at two episodes. We're not looking at three episodes. We're not even looking at one episode. What we are looking Get at Get is... Say it. What is it? Pokemon, the first movie, You <gasps> Two Strikes Back. That's next week. Oh, my That's God. That's next week. We're I'm not ready at all. This is blowing my <laughs> mind. <laughs> wow, that'll be a full episode. Clear your calendars, folks. Yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. one. It's the humongadunga of TCAT episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Comes once every 20 years. Um, I don't think it'll be 20 years before we do the next movie. We'll be the but, 20 years you know, before sure. we do Mewtwo again. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do the, we'll do the Mewtwo, movie. we'll do the Mewtwo uh, movie remake in 20 years. In 20 years. There you go. Yeah. I've never seen that remake. Me neither. Ah, uh, let's keep that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for today. That's what we're doing next week. Perfect. Join okay. us. Yeah. Shout us out in the comments. We're on the Hydra Leech YouTube channel. You can leave comments there. You can also reach us at 2kill at delibird at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us everywhere. Fine podcasts are downloaded. Please leave a review, like all of that social media garbage. Love the engagement. Intro and outro music is 80 Synthwave by Alexi Action. I'm Graham. That's Kellen. Yeah. Surf's up, dude. Humongadunga. We like to talk about Patrick Swayze and Alf. Anything else? That's no, that's that's the podcast. That's the podcast in a nutshell. It's Patrick Swayze and Alf. And that's it. It's not Patrick's, Pokemon. Our best friends, Patrick Swayze and Alf. <laughs> This sounds like exactly like me describing a dream. I'd be like, Patrick Swayze and Elf were there. Uh, and then Neil from The Matrix traded me a Charizard. The four of us really make a ragtag group of heroes. <laughs>